0: Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, the podcast that makes you the authority in orthodontics in your community. Get ready for insights on how to compete on expertise and trust against mail order in retail orthodontics. It's not always about the lowest fees. And now, from the People in Practice team, your hosts, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein.
1: Did you know that orthodontists can be more profitable treating an easy four to six month aligner case at $3,000, than a comprehensive case at $5,500?
2: Get out of here. What are you talking about? Why would I want to attract easy limited treatment cases when I can charge more for a full case? Where did you get your degree? The uh, MBA Direct Club? You go ahead and find me a board-certified orthodontist with, let's say, an MBA from Wharton. You bring him on the podcast, and then we'll discuss this.
1: Done and done. Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists. I'm Amy Epstein, the marketing gal, and I'm joined by my partner, Leon Klempner, the ortho guy. Today's guest is Dr. Bill Lehman a board certified orthodontist with an MBA from Wharton, practicing in Clearwater, Florida, who devotes his efforts to developing fully digital workflows that eliminate the need for impressions, reducing reliance on outside aligner companies. He currently serves as an advisor for a number of orthodontic companies consulting on software improvements. He also mentors young orthodontists counseling them on how to survive and thrive in private practice.
2: Okay, Amy, you win. You win. Uh, Don't you hate it when your daughter, you know, is always right. Anyway, in this episode, we're going to explore the strategy of marketing to attract the retreats and the limited treatment cases by lowering your price point while also lowering your aligner overhead. You can increase your per visit profitability. We'll discuss the nitty gritty aspects of in house 3D digital printing, how to choose the right software, case selection, and the related cost analysis.
1: So, according to 2019 GAGE statistics, thank you, by the way, Mary Beth Kirkpatrick, the per visit profitability of a liner treatment was higher than with braces. But you may already know that part. However, our recent analysis shows that the combination of low overhead, either with in-house printing or outsourcing to a lab, coupled with a decrease in number of visits, especially using dental monitoring, is the most profitable. So let's say between 800 to 1,000 per visit. So you can see why this is an interesting topic and we wanted to bring it up. So on that note, now let me introduce our guest, Dr. Bill Lehman. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Lehman.
0: Thank you both for having me and that wonderful introduction. I appreciate the opportunity to share my experience with uh, your viewers and your listeners.
2: Yeah, thanks, Bill, and it's a very uh, important topic right now. And as a fellow orthodontist, I'm sure you share some of my distaste for direct-to-consumer companies that are selling aligners direct to patients. However, Amy and I counsel our marketing clients that there is a silver lining. As much as I wish they never existed, they are creating a growing desire for people to get their teeth straightened.
1: What's the um, ad spend from the direct-to-consumer companies just raising awareness?
2: Well, I, it's close to $300 million last year, 2019. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, they have very deep pockets, but they're creating a great opportunity. And uh, we all know that one way to attract this group is by providing let's be real, a lower price point, and house, in-house digital printing can allow us to do that. So, Bill, here is my question to you. There are so many printers out there, and the cost varies so much. What criteria did you use when deciding on selecting a 3D printer?
0: Well, Leon, we spent a lot of time looking at all the different printers and my initial, three years ago, printer that I bought um, was a Formlabs, and the reason I got that one was because of ease of use, ease of connectivity, uh, the ability to have cartridges that you just plug the resin in and it fills up, uh, but what I found out over time is that speed of print, um, we have a limited square footage, uh, we have about 1,400 square feet in our office, so speed of print and different types of printing materials started to play into a much bigger KPI um, playing into my decision. So the biggest things I think somebody should look at are speed of print because uh, they want to make turnarounds uh, for college kids that needs retain need retainers, people that are on the move that may not have much time but want to get the aligners that you talk about, um, and also just capacity, production capacity. Uh, if you don't have a lot of room and you can't daisy chain a bunch of printers together, uh, you may have to get a little more expensive CDLM or DLP printer so that you can meet the capacity that your practice is asking for so speed of print materials available uh ease ease of connectivity are the three big things that you should be looking at for your practice Uh,
2: so bill you know uh, just to follow up on it um i know there's a, a a great variety in terms of how fast some of these printers are and i know there's a a huge range of how much these printers cost so Um, Could you give us kind of an idea of, um, you know, some of the data there and maybe where the sweet spot would be for an orthodontist?
0: So, the cheapest printer that I've found that has been tested in the marketplace um, by a lot of dentists and orthodontists is the Anycubic Photon. Price points right around $500 or less. And... It's a small build platform. You can usually get a couple models and it's a very limited amount of materials. And they print at about 20 millimeters per hour, which means you might get one or two models per hour, uh, all the way up to a uh, $16,000 in Vision One, which is the new CDLM technology. We can usually print six to eight models in 25 minutes. Uh, so that for us has been very beneficial. The two printers that are really in the sweet spot as far as price, uh, the Sprint Ray and the Formlabs 3, Um, Of those two printers, the Sprint Ray having the DLP technology versus the Formlabs, which used to have SLA, which now has a low force SLA type dimension, the Sprint Ray is still much faster at about 52 millimeters per hour and the Sprint Ray, because of its DLP technology, you can print more flexible items, like if you want to print transfer trays for indirect bonding, the Sprint Ray is going to give you that. Um, and it also gives you a much uh, better, I think, interface uh, versus the Labs 3. Um, so really, of those two printers, the price point's right around 4000 for each of those. Uh, the maintenance is going to be similar, the resin per liter is going to be similar, but um, between the two, the Sprint Ray is faster because of the underlying technology of DLP. So that's a good entry level would be a form or a sprint rate, depending on your specific needs.
2: So, so Bill, I didn't go to Wharton. I I know what an STL file is the rest of it. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. So uh, what was that? Could you kind of give us those, uh, the different types again and just what they stand for? So
0: um, the SLA printer is a stereolithography printing and, So the difference between SLA and DLP, um, SLA is a point laser draws out point by point the model that it is curing. The DLP printer prints it one layer at a time. So imagine a whole flash Mm -hmm. of light coming up and printing a layer on DLP and on SLA, it's a point drawing out each layer, which is why the DLP is much faster than the SLA. Does that help a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Okay, yep. Yeah.
1: So the technology seems to be changing a lot and quickly, and sort of the price points, which I think might be sometimes the barrier in terms of making a decision on which one to choose. How have you found that? Do you found that if you make a, a decision on a mid-range 3D printer that the technology hasn't changed so much that all of a sudden you feel like you've uh, made a decision that's old already?
0: No, um, the printers now. Uh, especially you know, the printers now are gonna work very well for what you need um, over the next few years. The, the, the next technological breakthrough that I feel is coming, and I know that there's a printer company out there that is working very hard to bring this to market. I believe, I'm pretty sure they're already, most of the way through their FDA approval, is the ability to not print models anymore but directly print the trays, either the clear aligner trays or the retainer trays, depending on the properties of the materials that they come out with. That's going to be the next big game changer. Um, mm. I do believe and have looked into the fact that Envision Tech is appears to be one of the companies that is leading the charge on that. Uh, they have a much, from what I see from the outside in, they have a much bigger R&D focus uh, because they're much broader scope than Formlabs or SprintRay, from what Mm -hmm. I can see. And well, it's one of the reasons why our next printer was the brand new Envision One, the one that we just purchased, because the speed was amazing. Uh, We really needed that production capacity to be able to create the number of aligners that we needed in a week uh, without having a bunch of printers to accomplish that need. And Mm -hmm. Envision Tech looks like they're going to be the first ones to market. With the ability for me to actually just print the aligners, avoid the model cost, avoid the labor to prepare it, uh, really be able to just go straight to the final product and just do a little cleaning on it. So that's, that to me is going to be the next big technology shift. And as we get closer to this AAO, hopefully we'll start seeing more information, but probably by 2021, definitely by 22, I think we should be seeing that type of. Uh, functionality in the marketplace. And then the cost of the printers is going to go uh, dramatically up, but the cost of your labor, um, Amy, just like the Cobb-Douglas function, the cost of your labor goes down quite a bit, but your cost of capital goes up slightly, but it's a much more sustainable capacity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Wow. Wow! Amazing. Uh, Sounds like yeah. exciting things are on the horizon. So thanks yeah. for that overview. We'll look of out course. for that certainly at the AO coming up and. See if we can get some more information on it, and uh, look forward to seeing it when it comes to market. But, you know
2: that sounds ideal, and you know the tendency might be for, you know, some of the orthos to to be thinking, well, in that case, I might as well just keep waiting. And what I what I found, you know, personally, with technology is that it that that never works out well. It's like you kind of kind of get into it, and then once you're in it. You know, you you upgrade and you move along, but otherwise you're always kind of standing on the sideline, kind of waiting for the next new improvement and lower price point. And do you, I mean, how do you feel about that, Bill?
0: Oh, man, the value. It's the value proposition. You know, what is the person's value proposition on doing this? For me, having, you know, a couple ITERO scanners and a few 3D printers for the past three years. Pretty much when I look at my capital expense with the software, the ITERO scanner, and the printer to get into this, it was in the $39,000 range. And the fact that I have not taken an, any impressions, alginate or PBS impressions, in three years on any patient, um, mm-hmm. that's the whole value proposition for capital expense for me. Um, we have, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of make a joke about, you know, if you are in Orlando in 1950 and there's 25 hotels, but you're the only hotel with air conditioning you're going to fill up and so i feel mm-hmm. like telling people that we never have to take an impression of their teeth has created much more value uh, on the revenue side uh, than i could have even imagined and so mm-hmm. to me staying in that technology that that's my value proposition yes i love the digital i love the technology but you know, the driving force was never take impressions, never, never. And it's, mm-hmm. that's, that alone is fantastic. So yep. um, it depends on why somebody's trying to get into it. If you're trying to get into it as a pure money save and you're playing with spreadsheets and looking at cost of trays and alginate, you're probably mm-hmm. never going to convince yourself on the cost side that it makes sense. But right. uh, on the efficiency side, on the quality of life side, on the low patient, I mean, re- eliminating something in your business that has a very low patient satisfaction score, that's
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's a massive value that people should be looking right. at.
1: Yeah, and from a marketing side, that is that's the gold for us. This is like what we can promote that makes your practice different. You're focused mm-hmm. on the patient experience, and you're focused on getting them in and out, and you're focused on making it as least displeasurable as as possible. And um, right. mm-hmm. you know, so that for us, that's the uh, that's what we're looking for is those types of differentiators.
0: It's the same thing Thanos was doing, you know. I mean, it was ended up being a, a not a great surrounding, but her initial thing was, look, you don't have to take three vials, vials of blood. Just get a little pinprick and we will eliminate that barrier to people getting tested. The idea was awesome. Mm-hmm. Execution, somebody will figure it out. That, mm-hmm. That's the same thing mm-hmm, here. Yep. Yep.
1: yep. Great. All right, so, Dr. Lehman, um, as you know, we often invite our listeners to leave questions on um, on our website for our guests that are upcoming. And we do have a question for you from one of our listeners. Why don't we play Great. that now?
0: Hi, this is Dr. Zach Faber from Melville, New York, and I have a two-part question. One, what is the break-even point for in-house aligners? In other words, after the investments in time, staff, and materials, at what point can this part of the practice start to see a return on investment? And two, Are we really discussing case selection and minor
2: tooth movement, or can the smaller independent office really see a path toward comprehensive orthodontic tooth movement?
0: Uh, Thank you for your question. Uh, So there's two parts to your question. The first part has to do with the costs, the ongoing cost, if I understood it correctly, of producing clear aligners in your office. And the second part is where's the ceiling, or is there a ceiling to what we can accomplish in-house to create clear aligners? So the first part of your question, uh, I've actually forwarded a spreadsheet, an Excel sheet to Leon that will help an individual kind of break down uh, the costs in their own office. Um, So when I look at costs, we look at the resin model inputs, uh, how much is the resin? Um, Each liter of resin we found over two years of keeping an eye on it and studying it, it's about 70 models on average. The average model is about 14.4 milliliters. Uh, so there's big ones or small ones, but that's about average. So then you're able to really calculate with uh, Formlabs, uh, for instance, if your resin is 150 bucks a liter, then you're at about 210 per model every time you print one. Uh, then you can look at the other material costs that are involved, the thermoform material, do you use Endura or do you use some knockoff piece? So you can be anywhere from $0.50 cents a sheet up to $5 a sheet. So that plays into your break-even Uh, The burrs, the polishers, the cleaning, the disposable resin tanks, all of that, it's a a quarter, maybe 35 cents. So you kind of add that on as you look at that. Uh, The second part you want to look at is labor. Um, So we we kind of exhaustively went through and did an operational analysis on how long it took for each stage. We measured them 30 times uh, to get that statistical advantage. And so we kind of looked at how much that would take, how much you pay your lab tech or how much you pay the person that's doing it. And then, so you can get a labor cost per tray. And then you also want to make sure that whatever software you're using, if you're using ULab, lab 3Shape, SureSmile, whatever the cost per STL is, um, then you want to put that in there. So in our office with all of those inputs, each tray costs us right around $7.25. Uh, $7.25 to $8, depending on some of the factors. So that's a good thing. And then what you do is you just take that number and divide it into the competition. So if an Invisalign 5 costs you you know, obviously, you can make five trays for, you know, 40 bucks, you know, with ongoing costs, you know, we're not, we're kind of ignoring the capital costs, we kind of have to, because that's not really an ongoing cost, and you're going to end up depreciating that down. So there's many ways to play with the math on that. But, you know, eight bucks a tray, let's go with eight bucks a tray. And then that way, you know, there we are, we know exactly what we compare it to, and whether we should do it in house or out of house. So if I have a case, that's going to take me 150 trays. I see how much that case would cost me, how much I'm going to have to do with it because right now the labor is pretty intense for the doctor. So some of that is a learning curve that's hard to really gauge how much you're going to have. Personally, what we do right now, so that's, let me back up, that's the first part of your question. So I've forwarded that to Leon and you can look through that whole piece. I'm happy to answer any questions anybody might have. Second part of that piece is how complicated do you want your cases to be? We stop at about... 20 is usually the highest number that we go to. Even though the economics don't work out, it's more of a, for me, a time capacity that I have to actually work on those cases. Now, every now and then we'll get a case that has a high canine. I'm like, you know what? I want to see how it does on that. We have a tooth that's rotated more than 25 degrees, and I want to work on that case. So I try to find cases that have these individual pieces that are more complex, and then I'll use the aligners to practice, and to not practice, but understand the effects of our aligner protocol on those items. In the future, what I plan to do is be able to mix in all of those different items based on what our product can create, and then we'll be able to do more complex cases. So yes, the answer is yes. If you have the print speed, if you have the manpower, you should be able to be doing complex cases in your office. Um, depending on how much time you put into it to get to that point with your system.
2: So, Bill, um, we talked a lot about hardware. Let's talk a little bit about setting up the cases. Um, there mm-hmm. are many different options available out there. What software do you use for moving the teeth? And what are the pros and cons of that software?
0: I mean, I've tried I've tried a bunch of them. Um, the one that I use is 3Shape. Three 3Shape Three has a product called Ortho Analyzer, an appliance designer. And the pros of it is I can build splints. I can build indirect bonding models or indirect bonding trays. I can build aligners. Um, it gives me sub setups. It gives me the ability to label the models on the STL. So each tray has the number on it. You have mm-hmm. a little emboss that's added to it. Um, so, it gives me full functionality. Some of the cons, it was built by engineers. So, uh, it's still a little clunky. It's still not, you know, as it doesn't flow as well as um, maybe it could. It's not as intuitive as it could be, but that's just, that's kind of splitting hairs. Um, mm-hmm. They are coming out with something that we're demoing now called Dental Desktop. And I've worked with their Splint Studio that's, not quite FDA approved yet, but in the U.S. But they're working on it. Uh, that it, the workflow is so much better, um, and so we're starting to work with them on a on a different level of intuitiveness and graphical user interface that they've worked on. So that um, so Three Shape is the one I've been using preferred. I've tried the others, but that's the one I keep coming back to.
1: Well, you clearly have. A uh, lot of expertise in this area. So, and you know, the analytical approach that you take is, I'm sure, going to be really helpful to everyone listening. If you, Dr. Lehman, you mentioned a spreadsheet earlier. If you'd like to see that spreadsheet, Dr. Lehman has generously agreed that we can send it out. So, email Leon at Leon at pplpractice.com if you um, if you'd like to have a look at it. Dr. Lehman, what other lessons or tips can you share with our listeners that are interested or considering moving forward with an in house uh, digital process?
0: Well, there's, um, you know, we're always available. You can always reach out to us. Uh, We're available to help people in that process. Um, And to, you know, really, uh, Leon, you brought up earlier uh, about some of the uh, do it yourself or direct to consumers probably a better way to say it direct consumer direct to consumer models mm-hmm. that are out there and uh, you brought up the advertising budget and for me that's uh, one of the talks I gave recently is that the advertising budget for Invisalign was about the same maybe 100 to 150 million in late mm-hmm. 90s money and Invisalign their goal of advertising is they had to convince the public that plastic would move their teeth That was their value proposition. We have to convince the public, if we don't convince the public to start beating down the doors that plastic will move my teeth, we're dead. And so Mm -hmm. they did an excellent job at that. I don't know if there's anybody in America that doesn't think that Invisalign can actually move teeth, whether it can move theirs or not, but can actually move teeth. Smile Direct Club is essentially, or direct to consumers are actually going off of that and they're building on that, and they're spending, they spent $300 million last year not to convince the public that plastic can move their teeth, but to convince the public that they can get it cheaper. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to me, when I saw that coming down the road a couple years ago, it was really important that we had a solution, that we could not have to invite a third party into our office to do these Mm -hmm. movements that we can do. And you brought up also about doing a $2,800, $3,000 case Mm -hmm.
2: uh,
0: versus a $5,500 case. And I say to the people that may have said, yeah, why would I do that? Well, I would rather make $2,600 every three months for two years than $5,500 for two years. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And so that Mm -hmm. was one of the biggest, another big value proposition for me was, wow, this is kind of like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, There's a lot of, people that are apprehensive about doing direct to consumer, but then they're torn. They're like, well I can't go pay that much. Well, we have a solution for you and everybody wins. So that's mm-hmm. that was a piece that I wanted to bring up about that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I mean that and that really really resonates with us. Um, you know, particularly um for, you know, the digital natives that are out there. They're being attracted to this uh, you know, direct to consumer thing and and I agree, you know, I mean, those easy retreat cases, they're less headaches, too. It's not just that, you know, there's more profitability. It's just less uh, less headaches involved in treating those particular cases. So, I, I really appreciate your insights. You know, I wish we had, you know, a two-hour podcast because uh, <laughs> this, you know, this topic is, is important to all of us. And um, you have great expertise so we are definitely going to bring you back and we're going to right amy it's like a (laughs) no-brainer thank you yeah and we'll get we'll get deeper into uh you know some of these topics so bill thanks again for joining us
0: well thank you so much for having me
1: we have a great lineup of guests moving forward our next guest is dr donna galante she runs one of the top 1% revenue generating practices in the country and will share the strategies that she used to grow her own practice. So be sure to listen in for that one. You can also download our other episodes or sign up for our marketing newsletter on our website, which is orthodontists.com. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd appreciate it if you'd tell one of your colleagues.
2: Yeah. Thanks for listening. We offer geographic exclusivity to our ortho clients. Remember, there's a tremendous opportunity for us to attract a whole new channel of easy and limited treatment cases, but only if you market for them. Whether it's digital advertising on Facebook and Instagram, visibility on Google, social media, reputation management, we have the experience and the expertise to help you. If you're interested in discussing it, Contact me, see if your area is available. We'll have a complimentary discussion and analysis. Just shoot me an email. As Amy said, if you wanna get the uh, Excel sheet that Bill has graciously offered, you could email me at leon at pplpractice.com. P's in Peter, P's in Peter, is in Larry, practice.com. Amy, it's all yours.
1: Thank you so much. Until next time, remember, the golden age of orthodontics is ahead.
0: Thank you for joining us on The Survival Guide for Orthodontists, where we help your practice grow within a massively disrupted industry. Subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on social media. Find us online at The Survival Guide for
2: Orthodontists.com.